0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Critics Corner podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me, as he does every week, for our college football podcast, is Mr. Joe Stephen. Joe, how you doing? How was Jacksonville last weekend?
1: Jacksonville was good. We didn't end up going to the game, which we were a little bummed uh, when we didn't make it and go to the decision. But uh I mean, the game ended up being kind of a blowout. Like Florida, you know, started really strong. We're like, oh shoot, this might be like a classic mm-hmm. game, and then Georgia kind of dominated the rest of the game after that. So um great trip down there. Get the get the sunshine. We were just talking before the pod started snowing up in Denver and um there was like a foot of, over a foot of snow for the Fort Collins, uh the CSU Air Force game. But um it was nice to be in the sunshine and um uh, there was a ton of Georgia and Florida fans just all over Jacksonville and by the beach and on the flights and stuff. So I mean those fan bases are nuts, man.
0: Yeah, they I mean as you know, college you went to LSU earlier this year. Like college football is is different down south. Um, that game is interesting just because it's a neutral site game and it's not on mm-hmm. campus. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it is cool to see kind of like an like an even distribution of fans. 50, was it like fifty fifty? Kind of like how they have the Oklahoma Texas. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think maybe a little bit more Georgia just because they're so good. I think folks are like, all right, let's get down here every year. Just, like they kind of knew they were going to win. But I mean for how Florida's been the past few years and like dominant Georgia is like, there were a lot of Gator fans. Like they're proud to wear that stuff. And uh, Jacksonville is like so North Florida and like, it's essentially like almost in Georgia. Yeah, so it was cool, cool to see both fan bases like traveling for it. You know, the game sold out people are there like a week early tailgating and stuff. I and mean, you get, you got the Florida man and stuff. So there's some characters, but oh, yeah, right. both yeah. fan bases are uh, very passionate.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville is really close to Georgia because, um, when I, my family vacations in the Georgia coast every year, and one year we flew into Jacksonville and drove like an hour and a half up there, uh, to Sea Island, Georgia, which is always fun. Um, uh, Georgia, a beautiful state, man. They got the coast, uh, obviously a great city in Atlanta. We can start with that Georgia Florida game, uh, since we're already kind of talking about it. Georgia, like you said, dominates 43 to 20. Uh, Florida did score first, nice drive, leading Graham Mertz, leading the team down the field, and then you know. I think it was 3,600 unanswered points from, from the Bulldogs, uh, Carson Beck, you know, this was their first game without Brock Bowers, So, you know, there was the major question mark around who's gonna, you know, do really well for that offense. Who's going to take over those catches answers. Lad McConkey, six catches, 135 yards and a touchdown Carson Beck looked the part. I think he's really kind of growing into this role as the season moves on, as he gets more experience, as he plays in bigger games. Um, so for me, you know, Biggest takeaway, Florida's miles off Georgia right now. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. They're doing well in recruiting, but it, it has to translate to the field. Carson Beck seems to be growing into that role. And there could be a world in which, you know, this this parody season that we always that we've been talking about throughout the course of this year kind of just ends up with Georgia steamrolling to a third trade national title. And I mean, when the game started, that first touchdown, like I said earlier, like
1: Florida came out with just a perfect game plan, started with the ball, drove down the field, got a touchdown. Like they looked really good, um, but I think it was just, um, you know, big game, you know, first game without Brock Bowers, like Georgia's defense just kind of gave up a big drive. And after that, it really locked them down. And, and the game wasn't as close as the 43 to 20 final score. I thought, I mean, Georgia couldn't be stopped on offense. Lad McConkie's been kind of hurt a little bit this year. Six for 135 and a score, kind of the security blanket for Carson Beck, who I feel like Beck gets better every single week. And, you know, big rivalry game, neutral side, fans from each side, you know, chance for that spoiler type of game. and. He looked calm, cool, collected the entire time. You know, didn't make any crazy mistakes. And, you know, Georgia just controlled this game and, and did what they had to do. And to your point, we'll we'll see what happens. They still have some bigger games. I think they have Ole Miss coming up too. Um, but, yeah, they're looking like, you know, the number one team in the country still. And, and they've been playing a lot more like it the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, they have Missouri this weekend at Ole Miss – or, sorry, home versus Ole Miss at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's had a really weird season that we can get into yeah. later. But Olmus Miss and, and Missouri, I think Missouri this weekend, even though Georgia's eighteen point uh, favorites, Missouri's coming off a bye week. That might be one of the tougher games that they play yeah. uh, the rest of the season. And and who knows with going on the road against Tennessee. Um, but Georgia certainly gonna be in the mix. And yeah, they keep they keep getting better every single week. If you're a Georgia fan, that's all you can ask for. Um, and, and you know, obviously anything other than a national title for them this year, it will be a disappointment. We can get yeah. into the into, sorry, we can get into the college football playoff rankings in the next pod, but committee doesn't have them at one right now. So we'll see how the season plays. out. Yeah. I don't
1: think they've played like a top team right now that gives them that resume builder, which, I mean, that's the biggest thing for Ohio State is that went over Penn State and Notre Dame. So they might have the resume right now, but I mean, Georgia's rest of the schedule, those are, I mean, Missouri's a top 25 team, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech's not bad. Tennessee's top 25. Those aren't easy games. And I think they all – they're more challenging than Florida because three of those teams are top twenty-five. Um, you know, Missouri, Ole Miss only have one loss. They've they've got a chance to play spoiler. I think it's tough because both those games are in Athens, so it plays in in the Bulldogs' favor, and they'll be favorites probably by double digits. But all of those, if if those other quarterbacks and those offenses get rolling, like you never know. Those are good SEC football clubs.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's a tough schedule. The East is a lot more challenging this year than than it has been in past years, uh, but. Again, could see a world in which they kind of just dominate the rest of the mm-hmm. schedule. The biggest, the biggest game from this past weekend, or, or the most uh, noteworthy result, was, was definitely Kansas getting that upset win over Oklahoma, thirty-eight to thirty-three. And rainy, cold game in in Lawrence. Um, there was a weather delay in this one for about an hour, so this game was ending while you know the two thirty games were going on, while Oregon and Utah were going on that that big game out West and. Kansas gets it done. Big upset. We've been waiting for you know kind of the big upset this year, and this is this is certainly the first major one. Um, Dylan Gabriel threw a pick six in this game. Quarterback uh, Jason Bean filling in for Dylan Gabriel was really good and really bad at moments. Uh, he threw two picks, one of one one of which was very unfortunate, but he led the team down the field uh, at the end of the game to score a touchdown and win. The Kansas defense came up really big after that Jason Bean pick at the end, uh, getting a stop getting a three and out and get it, giving their op- offense an opportunity to get it done at the end and really, really tough loss for Oklahoma. We know they'd Texas, but it, it, I, it's, it's going to be really tough for them to get back into the playoff at this point with this, with this loss at, at Kansas. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, hats off to Lance Leopold and the program he's built at Kansas. I mean, this is respectable. I mean, this is a huge win, but also it's not like they were 20 point underdogs, which they were in years past or, or more like they were, they were only nine point underdogs and Oklahoma was undefeated. Like, I mean, he's built a program, the atmosphere there, even in a rainy game, like a lot more people that, that were shown up before in Lawrence. So big win for the Jayhawks. They're still kind of knocking around the door. And, and in that big 12, you know, potential title race, that's a lot closer than we thought it would be about two weeks ago. So Jayhawks are right around there. They're making noise. They're a tough team to play. Jason Bean kind of playing chaos ball, like good one drive, bad the next. But he got it done, and and Dylan Gabriel was good, but he wasn't, you know, Heisman Gabriel or or that Texas game where he he was just lights out. So just didn't have it. Could have been the weather. Could have been, you know, just a letdown game for these guys after Texas, and they're coming right back to it with Oklahoma State, who is on an absolute tear right now. And you almost gotta, I mean, that that's gonna be tough for Oklahoma. Like they gotta they gotta bounce back and quick here.
0: Yeah, Gabriel was okay. Like he's he doesn't have the big powerful arm, the guy that's gonna zip it in. amongst a bunch of defenders he's he's very accurate um but he he needs his receivers to generate some separation uh and he's not going to throw a really great long ball um that that pick six he had was was to the outside hash long throw across the field cornered, kind of just you know Mm -hmm. read it picked it off and and returned it that was the opening score of the game and i wasn't super impressed by him in this game uh the running game is what was working against kansas uh tabby walker ran for 146 yards on 23 carries uh Jalen Gabriel had three touchdowns on the ground, none passing. Um, but when you know when Kansas defense needed to get it done, they did. And you gotta tip your cap to them for doing for doing that. Um I was disappointed. I I I think we would both agree that the strong point of this Oklahoma team, what we thought heading into this game, was their defense. And we saw Strusman get injured, uh their star linebacker in this one, but they kind of they kinda Kansas was able to move the football on them and um, kind of maybe changes the perception of what we think about this Oklahoma team. Still, this you know for me Oklahoma was the team that I had as the team that needed a bounce back season the most in our preseason predictions, and they've certainly had that bounce back season. Uh, they're not going to be in the playoff though, and a loss at Kansas is very disappointing. And you hit the nail on the head. This Kansas team, what a turnaround! 0 mm-hmm. 9 in 2020, and 2 and 10 in 2021. Last year, 6 and 7. This year, 6 and 2 quite a turnaround in Lawrence
1: already so, bowl eligible, you know, yeah. before they hit November. That's, I mean, you can't ask for much more from that fan base or administration, like Lance Leopold's doing everything he can right now. And he's getting a pretty solid recruiting class for that. And he's just making them competitive. The fact that, you know, I mean, they've won this game, but they're competitive in every ball game now and on their backup quarterback too. A lot of teams wouldn't be able to throw their backup quarterback in and, and beat a top five team like Oklahoma, but they did. And that that's cut to him and the, the, you know, roster he's built, the coaching staff. And, We'll see. He'll be a hot name, but I think he was signed to an extension that's pretty lucrative to stick around there.
0: Yeah, he's a hot name, but I kind of feel like he, he would be the kind of guy that would stay in Kansas and, and kind of build that program. We've already seen the renovation that they, they had to, to the facilities. Now they just announced that big stadium, stadium renovation. Mm-hmm. It, people, yes, Kansas doesn't have the football history, but I think Kansas could become a very solid football program. It's in a good conference, you know. The Big Twelve is going to change over next year, but they no, have so much
1: to leave.
0: Yep. Yeah, they could dominate the Big Twelve. They have so much money in that school just from the basketball program. Like yeah. there's a history of success there. We've seen schools like Michigan State, which you know don't necessarily have a great football history. They were really good in the 2010s, late mm-hmm. 2000s, early 2010s, um, and I think it's possible for these basketball schools with the right coach, with the right investment, which Kansas is doing to, to become good. And I think yeah. like, the path is there for Kansas.
1: And, and I think for him too, it's like, he'd have to go for like whatever his perfect job in his mind is because if he goes somewhere else. Like the expectations would be so different. Like Kansas, like he's already having a great year. And let's say next year they go six and six, like they're not going to fire him. Like they're so like, you're our guy, like you've built the
0: program, and everything. Like, it's not like he has to go 10 and two every year. Right. Exactly. They're, you, you do appreciate the the lack of, I mean, quite frankly, the lack of expectation that they have at Kansas. Whereas, <laughs> whereas if you go to a, even like a Michigan State, they yeah. have expectation there. I, I don't think you would go to a Michigan State. Uh, theoretically, if Harbaugh leaves, which we can get into that in, a, in the next pod, it, it's not looking like he is. But if he were to theoretically leave, Leipold would be a guy that I would have circled as a Michigan fan. And if you mm-hmm. come into Michigan and you don't win in the first couple of years, two, three years, you're People out. are going to watch you out, yeah. So there's a lot less pressure at Kansas. So uh, I, I think you could stick around. Um, and and things, the future was bright for that team, mm-hmm. for sure, for that program. Yeah. yeah, so heck of a win
1: for those guys. And then heck of a win for the Oregon Ducks, man. Yeah, I mean, talk about bouncing back after that Washington game, which was so close. We were both on them. Almost like would say they outplayed Washington that game still, but they just lost. It was, it was on the road. Dominated Utah. I mean, Utah's offense, Bryson Barnes, all that magic from the past few weeks, knocking off USC. Just nothing doing. This Oregon defense was dominant. Um, Barnes had two picks. Utah couldn't really move the ball whatsoever on, on, in the air or on the ground. Um, this entire game, and it was just kind of over from the jump. And um, I mean, dominant. Bonex played well. Offense was there. They drained clock late, and I mean, they look good, man. Like I'd I almost be taking them over Washington right now. They're just looking so good week after week now.
0: Yeah, they. And I'll keep saying, it, I think they're the best team in the Pac twelve. I know they lost at Washington. Mm-hmm. You hit the key point. It was in Seattle. I, you can make the argument that coaching lost Oregon that game at the end, uh, going for or even through the whole game, going for fourth downs that were questionable. Obviously, the play calling on those fourth downs um, at the end of the game. I thought they outplayed Washington for most of that game. I know they were down 10 points in the third quarter, um, but they, they were able to pull, pull ahead and get the lead when it mattered most. Um, and I think if you played that game on a neutral site, I think Oregon wins. So, I mean, we very well could see a rematch of that game, of that matchup in Vegas. Right now, my pick would be Oregon. They, they – they look dominant. They can move the ball uh, through the air with Bo Nicks and they're solid wide receivers. They can run the ball with Bucky Irving. We know they have a really good defense. I still think they're coached solidly. Dan Lanning's a good coach. Utah, we've always talked about it. They're a really tough team to play, and this game was over immediately. I mean, I was watching the end of the Kansas-Oklahoma game. Turn this one on, and it was already like 21-3. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll have to find a new game to watch in the two thirty 30 window. Um, so, Oregon – I think they play Cal this weekend. Um, they still got Wazoo uh, on the schedule. I believe. Oh, no, sorry, they have Oregon State on the schedule, which will be yep. a, a, a tough one for them. Uh, they have USC and they have Arizona State. Uh, I think they can win out, and I think they will be in Vegas. And I I don't think they're out of the playoff race yet. I th- I think they control their
1: destiny because that Washington loss is a good loss. You compared to you know I'd say Oklahoma still runs a table. You're taking them with a Washington yeah. loss versus a yeah. Kansas. Same thing for like let's say Texas runs it. That's where it gets interesting, you know, Washington lost versus an Oklahoma. So we'll see. I mean, right now, I, I still think the ball's in their court to keep running with it. And then I don't know if we talked about it last week. I think we might have mentioned it, but Cam Rising definitely out for the year. He's already shut it down. Yeah. Really curious to see what happens there. I feel like he'd go back for a seventh year because I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it'd be a seventh year. I think he'd get the waiver for for medical, but because he's not going to go to the NFL, he's going to play it all year and it's like, he will stay. But does he stay at Utah or does, you know, does somebody else try to poach him? That's a, that's a veteran quarterback that's going to be potentially on the transfer portal market.
0: Right. I think Notre Dame will be in the market for another yeah. quarterback. I don't think they're going to start Lloyd Carr's son in this freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Michigan could theoretically be in the, the market for a quarterback next year. He's 24 years old. He's just, I think he's like probably the grade below us. We graduated in 2020. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy he's, to think about. He's pretty much going to be Sam Hartman
1: and like, like 12 months. Like he's yeah. last year Sam Hartman who like I feel like if he transfers like he'll be one of the top guys cuz he's a vet like he's done it year in year in year out outside of this year with the injury, but I mean, he took Utah to the Pac-12 championship um last season.
0: I guess it would be a risky move from the team getting him just cuz he's coming off that ACL surgery yeah. and You don't know what you're getting. Like yeah. it, it's kind of unusual for a guy to miss an entire season after tearing his ACL in January in, in, in yeah. the bowl game, so Question marks around his health, but if 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 all stays true, if he's still a really good quarterback, yeah, you you take him um, for sure. And Utah's going—I think they're they're going to the uh, Big Twelve, right? If I'm not, Utah mistaken. is, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. they run over if I like Colorado. So decent conference, but if you're Cam Rising, do you want to test yourself in the new Big Ten, in the mm-hmm. new SEC, or? i mean notre dame's independent so that'd be like basically acc ball speaking of acc ball we, we we'll get into the, their games later but did you see i i sent you that they came out with their new their matchups for the next like, five years we got cal going to syracuse we got stanford going to miami i mean this oh that's gonna bad. be that's gonna be crazy i mean and stanford and cal like they're not good football they're not really no they're,
1: they're not basketball. They're not good programs at right now so it, I don't know. It's a play on their future. I I've said it before, like Cal 10 years ago, everybody would want wanted, or Sanford 10 years ago, everybody would have wanted them in a the conference. So things can change, but I mean, and they got SMU who's coming in too. Like it'll, it'll be interesting. And you know, they've got that they're like grant of rights and stuff where Florida state is like kind of looked at getting out, but I think mean, it'd be pretty hard money wise for them to leave. So they'll need someone like that to really anchor the top of that conference.
0: Yeah, Stanford's really good at like everything except the major sports. They're yeah. they're really good at baseball, and then like all the random like you know gymnastics, soccer. They like win national titles in all those sports. Just the ones that make the money, they don't necessarily they aren't necessarily great at. But I I, I wrote about this in an article last summer when UCLA and USC uh, joined the Big Ten. Like this is and it's been talked about now a lot. But it's great for football like viewing experience, but it sucks for. Obviously, the football athletes, but more importantly, like the athletes that are on teams that, you know, have to go travel, you know, women's lacrosse that has to go travel to yep. from Cal to Syracuse on a Tuesday night for a lacrosse game. Like, it's just not, it's not realistic for the whole day. People. And in the financial aspect, too, like a lot of those sports don't make money in the first place.
1: So the travel only become more expensive the farther you go and the longer you might have to be somewhere. So, you know, obviously, a big thing is, you know, TV deals with football that probably could spread across just the university as a whole. But I I think there was something with Stanford and Cal, I don't know what their ACC deal is in that because I think they were so desperate that they might have just said well we won't take revenue for a few years.
0: That if that's the case, I mean, the, the all this travel is really going to strain these athletic departments. Yeah. Uh, and I know they're massive. Well, Stanford's not a state school, but all, all these a lot of these t- conf, uh, schools that are moving conferences are massive state schools, and they can get some public funding, whatever. But. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, and Stanford has a massive endowment too <laughs> that could help, but I don't know, man. It's uh, it's interesting times, and and I think a lot of these athletic departments are going to be stretched thin. We'll see. Uh, time will tell. Last major game that we want to talk about, or that I specifically want to talk about, I put this one on the rundown. Ohio State squeaks by Wisconsin 24-10. to uh, This game was was close in, in the second half. It was tied 10-10. Uh, Wisconsin had the ball down seven in the fourth quarter, driving to tie the game. They're on their backup quarterback, uh, Brayden Locke. And Braylon Allen, the, ru- the star running back, went down in this one for the Badgers. So they're down Chess Lucy and Brandon Allen, or Braylon Allen at this point. Tough look for for the Badgers and their chances to get to Indianapolis. Ohio State, man, again, McCord, two bad picks, lost, lost a fumble. Looked like he might have hurt his ankle after the game, limping with an ice pack. If this team did not have Marvin Harrison Jr., who went for six catches, 123 yards, and two touchdowns, they would be like eight and four, nine and three. Luckily, they have the best college football player in my opinion uh, on the planet right now, and he's really helping them. Uh, and they have a solid defense. The defense is a lot better this year in their second year under Jim Knowles, uh, JT Tool, JT Tool Mulalau, uh, and you know Denzel Burke was back in this one. Um, but it's not the Ohio State we're used to. They're not as dominant. I think the old Ohio State get, wins this game like fifty-nine to ten. Versus mm-hmm. 24 to 10. And the committee put them first. The eye test, yes, they have a great resume. But just if you watch the games, yeah. you watch the games, they just look so average. I mean, they don't play – like Georgia plays
1: like a number one team right now. Like Ohio State doesn't. Like they're a, a top five team, probably top four team right now. and They're winning these games. The defense is Ohio State of old. Like great defense, shutting down. It wasn't Wisconsin's best. They're down their quarterback and running back. Like they were an underdog for a reason in this game but the offense like you said like they don't have those electric plays they don't have those flashes. it's just Marvin Harrison Jr and it's just getting him the ball in space or just throwing it up and hoping he makes a great play which he typically does so without him i mean this this game's coming down the wire against you know Wisconsin's you know, out, the, out their best three probably offensive weapons so i mean i want to see them play like an electric offense i thought Penn State would put up more of on offense like their defense is awesome but i want to see them have to put up points and put up points in a hurry because I don't know, like McCord's made bad bad mistakes against most of these teams and in these games. And he hasn't really, you know, put together a complete game and dominated like you expect from an Ohio State quarterback like a CJ Stroud. So, I mean, top four team in the country, they're winning. They're, you know, winning is a win. But yeah, I don't know. They're not playing like the number one team if you actually watch the games.
0: Yeah. They, and McCord, you know, to his credit, I think has gotten Better over the year, but not significantly better. And he's certainly a, a major step back from CJ Stroud over the ca- past couple of seasons. And you're right, like their marquee games have been against bad offenses. Notre Dame they won that game by three on the last play. Notre Dame does not have a good offense. We've seen them. We've seen that they don't have any explosive playmakers. And, and Penn State very similar offense. They have a good quarterback like Notre Dame does, but they don't have any explosive playmakers on the outside to to go out and make those big uh, chunk plays. Same thing, Wisconsin, you know, more of a ground and pound team. They were down to their backup quarterback. I mean, it, you know, the, you can make the argument the best offense they've played is like September Maryland. Uh, Who's not looking quite as good. No, they look horrible at this point. And Ohio State was, you know, I mean Maryland lost to Northwestern. And Ohio State was struggling with Maryland in the second half. So, a lot, uh, their best performance was against a really bad Purdue. Team. I get it, having them won with the resume, but the eye test doesn't really and doesn't really do do much for me. I'm trying to like remove my bias here. They, they play Rutgers this weekend. I think they'll steamroll Rutgers. Rutgers does not have an offense that's going to be able to move the football on Ohio State. Uh, then they got Michigan State, Minnesota, and, and the big one in Ann Arbor on November 25th that I've had circled all year. That's 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 what it's going to come down to. And I think the committee putting them at them, them at number one um, will ultimately. And if Ohio State goes into that game ranked number one, I think even if they lose that game, they're going to be in the playoff. Uh, but I don't think they're the best team in the country.
1: Yeah, I don't know the best team they're going to have to keep proving themselves. And I mean, it's just looking like a crash course for, for the game
0: at the end of the year, which will just be absolutely awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, Michigan has to get through Penn state first and we can, well, let's take in the big 10. Let's talk about the Penn state game. They escape Indiana 33 to 24. And this game wasn't, was not, it was a lot closer than the final score indicates The game was, I think it was 24, 21 Penn state when drew drew Aller threw a terrible pick uh at the end, leaving Indiana with the ball down twenty-four-twenty-one. They proceed to run three plays, run plays into the line and kick a field goal. Super conservative play calling to tie the game at twenty-four. Penn State finally lets Drew Aller throw it deep and then they score the game winning touchdown. It's like a fifty something yard pass. Uh they take the lead and then they got like a safety at the end as Iowa or as Indiana fumbled. Um, and Penn state, or like went out of the back of the end zone and, and Indiana lost by nine when it really could have been a three point win. It could have been a loss if, if the play calling was more, um, more aggressive for Indiana at the end there. Uh, Braden Sorsby looked really good for Indiana. They had a, a couple really big chunk plays in, in the first half that landed them their, their first two touchdowns. Penn state, man. I mean, their offense can't move the ball vertically, no explosive playmakers, uh, defense is okay, but Indiana like a lot of missed assignments uh, for the for the Nittany Lions on defense this 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 game that allowed those Indiana touchdowns. No chop Robinson on defense, but that's not an excuse. This is an Indiana team that has not won a Big Ten game yet. Uh, Michigan thrashed them at the game that I was at, and I don't know. I mean, Penn State. I, I think Penn State is screaming to us that they are who they are at yeah. the famous what's the guy's name, Davis Allen, quote, they are, the Bears are who we thought they were. Penn State is, is who we think they are. They don't have an explosive offense. They're led by their defense. And I just don't know what the ceiling is for the team. Probably 10 and 2 again.
1: I I think, unfortunately, they've just proved every year, like, hey, we're better than Maryland. We're better than Michigan State, but they're not at Michigan and Ohio State's level. And they'll have a chance to, you know, disprove the entire country's thinking that when they play the Wolverines. But I think they're just they're a step below, and that's as simple as that. Like he can get all the recruits, he can get the five stars, but at the end of the day, you know they're going to go ten and two, and like they just can't beat you know Ohio State and Michigan. They can't win those games, which have one more chance to prove it. But yeah, I mean, this game to be this close against Indiana, who's been just downright horrible in the Big Ten, like probably one of the worst Big Ten teams right now. Um, Tom Allen's on the hot seat; they like, pretty much coach him for his job. Like this game just can't be that close. I mean, they were they were lucky, <laughs> they were honestly lucky to get out of there with a the win, like at home. So. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Indiana fighting for their coach right now, trying to get a win and stuff. But, yeah, for Penn State, they might just be who they are. Like, they're not going to put up 50 on solid,
0: decent Power five teams and, and
1: win those big games.
0: Yeah. Maybe this is a wake-up call for them. Uh, they, they're at Maryland this week, which would have been a lot tougher game than we thought, um, you know, a, a month ago you know, mm-hmm. when we can get into the the Maryland game. Northwestern beat them 33-27. Northwestern's now 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. Um, I think Northwestern's been running their like third string quarterback for the past three weeks. Uh, tough look for the Terps. Northwestern four and four. It would be a much, it would be much more of a feel good story if they didn't have all the stuff that came out before the season. So I don't necessarily feel as good for Northwestern as I as I would have. Yeah, um, great win for them. Sneaky, sneakily a, a tough place to play. We went to that Wisconsin game there last year. Just no atmosphere in that stadium. Uh, the grass looks really thick. And shout out, shout out to Northwestern for getting this win. Um, And and Maryland, uh, Penn State is only a 10 point favorite at Maryland next weekend. Somehow, I think that tells you everything you need to know about that offense.
1: Maryland. I mean, they played so well the entire season and into halfway through the third quarter of the Ohio State game. I was like, dang, Maryland, like the chance to pull off an offset here, like they're in this ball game. And so after that, I was like, hey, they were competitive. Like this game was there until just about the fourth quarter. And from there, like they've just gone downhill, and it's like what, like what happened to this early season magic and all this, you know, Talia um, putting up numbers. So, I mean, tough game for them, but I mean, Northwestern's just better than I thought they were going to be. Downright just horrible, like one and eleven, like no nobody in the Big Ten. So they're four and four. They're going to try to make a bowl game, which would be awesome for them, and they're. Actually alive in the the big ten West race, so which is insane to think, so maybe you know, maybe this new coach is, is going to get that interim take taken off, and I think you have to at this point if he's already five hundred uh you know in into, into November, so i I don't know what to make of either one right now, and Northwestern plays Iowa this weekend with I think the lowest over under total that was just set by Iowa the other week, yeah. and that reset even lower <laughs> it's like
0: twenty nine It's insane. At Wrigley, though, I think that'll be cool. It has a, It is at Wrigley. And then they go – so they go Iowa, Wisconsin, which are two tough ones. But they end with Purdue and Illinois. So they, they could go 5-7, and seven, maybe push 6-6 six and six and get into a bowl game. Um, the Big Ten West stinks, and we, we've known that for weeks. But a couple other results in the Big Ten West. Nebraska beats Purdue 31-14. Interesting stat from this one that I saw on a podcast that I listened to. Purdue is 0-10 in weeks that Taylor Swift releases an album. And last Friday, Taylor Swift re-released 1989. She did drop four new songs. I actually like They're pretty good. Kayla was showing me them. They're, they're pretty good. Yep. And Purdue lost. So if you want a betting model, whenever T-Swizzle drops an album and Purdue's playing that weekend, lock it in. Take the other team. Uh, they're going to win. So And also, shout-out to Nebraska. They've had a, a surprisingly good season so far. They're 5-3. and three. Started out really slow, started out 0-2. Uh, since then, their only loss is to, to a really good Michigan team, and they have wins over Northern Illinois, uh, Louisiana Tech, Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue. So not great wins by any stretch of the imagination. Only one win away from bowl eligibility. They got Michigan State this weekend. I think they can mm-hmm. win that game. Then Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. So if they want to get bowling this year, they got to win that game. But shout out to Matt Rule, man. Year one, I think I think he's going to take Nebraska in the right direction. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, college football playoff contender, but they're going to be bowling every year and, and they could maybe push 10 wins at some point. Just just depends on the talent they bring t- that they yeah. get to them. But I think they're
1: they're heading in the right direction. I mean, Matt Rule does a master class every program he goes to of turning them around. Um, typically, you know, the first year isn't the best year. It usually takes him at least two, three years um, to get rolling there. But, I mean, yeah, they're fighting for bowl eligibility. They should be Michigan State. that would be huge for them. Just, you know, get to the bowl game, use that in recruiting. And, you know, they dominated Purdue in this bowl game. They are actually the lock of the week for me last week. I was just like, yeah. hey, Nebraska at home, Purdue's looking down. If I had that Taylor Swift, you know, sad, that would have been my double lock of the week or <laughs> something. But, yeah, I mean, good win for them. They bounced back after losing to Minnesota and Colorado. And just, you know, doesn't matter who they're playing. Just wins are wins for them right now, building the program back up. So, uh, Purdue's down. Purdue's down, like I Bad. think it might be worse than Northwestern right now, which kind of sucks. But um they're a pretty hit or miss team. I feel like every year they just go up and down. But Nebraska, I think Rule is is the right man for this job. And you know, like you said, maybe you don't have the expectation that you're gonna go like the national championship like 30 years ago, but this I think he's the right guy for the job.
0: Yeah. He seems to really like that program and he seems to be a good leader. Uh and I obviously he didn't work in the NFL, but I think he's one of those coaches that's kind of just meant for for college and not not Pro Ball. Um and yeah. Big Ten West is a disaster. The, the other result from that side of the bracket or side of the conference last week was Minnesota taking down Michigan State twenty-seven to twelve. You have a four-way tie right now for the top of the West with Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Uh, Purdue and Illinois are one and four, and Northwestern is two and three. Obviously, it'll play itself out, uh, but it remains to be seen who comes out of that side of the conference.
1: Yeah, I mean Michigan's are. Uh... Not Michigan. Uh, Minnesota's not like beating the wheels off for of anybody with that offense. But again, <laughs> wins a win against Michigan State, who's just gone so downhill after Mel Tucker and that situation. Uh, pretty low point for them right now. And you know, underdogs pretty much all these teams. So good win for Minnesota, and we'll see it. They'll play play themselves out. I think the Gophers play at Ohio State, so I don't know if they're going to be in that battle game, but
0: we'll see. I mean, someone's got to represent the Big Ten West. Somebody does. Yeah, right now the the big rumor is Urban Meyer to East Lansing. And I, don't, I just don't see, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see that. Uh, why would he – I don't know. I don't know. I why think you would have to go somewhere where it's
1: like a dominant program that's still really – like Michigan State is down right now. But he gets to go somewhere where it's dominant because he's not looking to rebuild something and like bring it back up. He wants to go somewhere where something happened it's like a great like, – like a Penn <laughs> – I think you would go to Penn State. Like Penn State, James Franklin gets fired. It's like, hey – a heck of a roster. They're ten and two. Like, can you just win the big game? Like, like something like that is where he'd want it. Like, I don't think it's coming back to coaching, but I don't think he's going to like three and nine Michigan State. Back to Florida.
0: Yeah, back to Florida. Yeah. God, god bless. Like if Michigan State hires Urban Meyer, it's like, do you guys care about optics at all? Do you guys have any like shame like oh god. Yeah, I can go I can talk a long time for that. But all right, ACC. Let's move to the ACC and some of the results from that week. Uh from last week. We got Florida State dominated Wake Forest 41-16, Notre Dame dominated Pitt 58-7, Georgia Tech upsets UNC, Louisville beats Duke 23-0, Boston College beats UConn 21-14, NC State beats Clemson 24-17, and Miami beats Virginia in overtime 29-26. Loaded weekend in the ACC, uh, where do you want to start in, in, in the the soon-to-be whole country coastal Conference?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Florida State beats Wake Forest, like nothing else to it. Like they're playing like a top five team right now. Like big win for them. Notre Dame, Pitt is down right now. I mean, dominant game from Notre Dame, fifty eight points. Like kind of that breakout game you're looking for. They they've got two losses, but you are gonna run the table and get to a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah. I think if they the table, they still got some good games. So they're coming alive too. What happened to UNC man? Yes. Losing to Georgia Tech. I don't know what to make of this Georgia Tech team, but. Two weeks ago, we're talking about UNC as a dark horse for the playoff, and now they've got two losses.
0: Yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, I think a lot of it like honestly comes down to coaching and just not getting the guys prepared for these games. Georgia Tech's had such a weird season. They've, go, they've gone loss-win, 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 loss-win. Lost to Louisville, beat South Carolina State. Lost to Ole Miss, beat Wake Forest. Lost to Bowling Green, beat Miami on the road. Lost to Boston College okay, we're going to come back and we're going to beat number 17, North Carolina. They don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Haynes King is doing a good job for them and, and they have the right coach for the job moving forward. Um, but if you're a UNC man, oof, I mean, what a fall from grace. What a fall from grace. You, can't, you just can't lose. I mean, we were talking about how you know their schedule looked really easy through 10 um, and then they would have uh, uh, NC State and Clemson, which Clemson's looking easier by the week. And they go out and lose to to Georgia Tech and uh, the worst team in the ACC, Virginia. Unacceptable for the Tar Heels. Um, I wish I picked this one as my upset of the week. Uh, I, I don't think I would have seen it coming in a million years. But, yeah, t- tough. Louisville beating Duke was an interesting one. Riley Leonard did play. Uh, Jordan, it wasn't the same. Yeah, it wasn't the same. Joar Jordan was back for, for Louisville. 21 carries, 163 yards, and two touchdowns. Louisville, I mean, they're second in the ACC right now. They're kind of looking like the team that's going to be playing Florida State in the ACC title game, which, I mean, if you're Florida State, I think that's a very winnable game. Um, and But, you know, if you're Louisville, I mean, 11-1 season and, and a, a trip to the, the conference title, you, you got to take that under Jeff Brom.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ryan liner just at the same. This dude team is still having a really good year. I think there's expectations just went so high because he was playing so well. But yeah, Louisville, man, Joe Jordan like went off and they're now with UNC's two losses, both in conference, a couple teams that they shouldn't have lost to. Louisville's yeah. got that second spot. And is this Jeff Brahm's first year there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you that that was nowhere near the expectation to go to the e c c championship. Yeah. Like He's the fact that they're going to a bowl game like should have been like hey like let's try to get to a bowl game be five hundred like that's solid for the first year I mean boom this guy's got him they're top twenty five talking about facing FSU and and trying to play spoiler
0: yeah um I would love to see Louisville win that game I, I just think at this point I I don't see anybody beating Florida State in the ACC I mean they got. At Pitt, Miami, home versus North Alabama, and at Florida, so they only have two ACC games left.
1: I don't, I don't see a loss in there. They're going to be favorite. You never know. Yeah. But I, I don't know. They're they're playing well right now.
0: I don't see a loss. Um, and I don't. I, I think they'd be able to beat Louisville in the title game. And I think could probably pencil them into the playoff at this point. I wish I put them in my uh, re- updated bracket that we did a couple weeks ago. Cause the schedule is just not tough. I mean, maybe at Florida could be a test just cause yeah. the atmosphere and it's a rivalry game, who knows what could happen, but I think they have the playmakers, they have the veterans. Uh, and, and I think they're really well coached under Mike Norvell coming over from Memphis. So, you know, big shout out to him as, as always try to, uh, you know, always show love to those Memphis guys, but yeah, they got, they got it. They got a good program down there right now in Florida State for sure.
1: Yeah, I think. Other than I was just small note, shout out to Boston College, yep. Jeff Halfley. I mean, I was kind of put him on the hot seat earlier in the year, and hey, five and three, beating Holy Cross, Virginia, Army, Georgia Tech, which better win than we thought, and they knock off UConn, 21-14. I mean, they're not getting pretty wins or, or major upsets, but hey, this team's competitive. They're five and three, and I think that's a pretty good spot for the Eagles right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, hell, they almost beat they almost beat Florida yeah. State. We were in that game. Yeah. They got Syracuse, Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Miami the rest of the way. So they could they could win one of those games and, and make it to a bowl game, and that'd be great uh for for the Eagles uh for sure. NC State and Clemson, I mean what I we talked about it a lot last week with your brother. Yeah, well, what a fall from grace for for Clemson. Clubnick threw two interceptions and a pick six in this game. Um yeah, I mean, this was a game that Clemson would always win, and, and they're just I mean, obviously, we we both saw the crazy interview that Dabo had uh, with that Tyler from Spartanburg on his radio show, which this is just the fact that that interaction is even possible is what makes college football, in my opinion, like the best sport in the country, infinitely better than than the NFL, in my opinion. Like, can you imagine a random Patriots fan from somewhere in Massachusetts calling in to basically berate bill belichick for you know the patriots sucking like no it just doesn't happen in the nfl but for whatever reason some of these coaches still have these these radio shows that that they do every week and hats off to them um but yeah he he kind of got called out by this fan and i gotta say i'm not the biggest Dabo fan supporter Mm -hmm. um but i'm kind of on his side in this interaction just because the rings do speak for themselves um I don't love the fan like kind of coming at him the way he did. I, I, he could have maybe framed his question better. Uh, but I do see his his point. Like they're paying him $11.5 million a year. First of all, you can do this radio show if you're making that much money. Uh, they have infinite talent. It's not like there's a talent shortage at Clemson. Uh, and I do think there is some nepotism in, in Clemson that, you know, hasn't really been highlighted nationally uh, the way Iowa has. Uh you know, there's a lot of former players and, and uh, you know and whatnot on on Dabo's staff. Uh, I think the guy said that there's only like two coaches on staff that are outside hires that had coaching experience beforehand. Um, so maybe we talk about NIL and we talk about the transfer portal being reasons Clemson isn't great, and, and that is certainly part of it. But maybe it's also their assistant coaches, and you know they used to have like Brent Venables, for example, was. Mm. great defensive coordinator probably the best defensive coordinator in in the country he's not there anymore obviously not having you know a a round one pick one nfl quarterback certainly hurts but they should not be this bad yeah
1: i mean i i think i agree like not a huge Dabo guy but i think he's earned kind of a down year like this he brought clemson from where it was to a national title contender and won multiple national titles so hey like let's give this guy a little slack like you know it was bound to happen it was bound to be a down year like it's clemson football you can't just be the number one team in the country every year so i still appreciate what he's done for him but i mean just a hilarious interaction like you can tell he's just pissed off and agitated the guy did have some points like hey after this year like you can't go six and six again next year like that can't happen to you as in a row like you get you get your mulligan and then it's like hey we got to be back to you know who we are with uh 10 plus games double digits and be in the acc title race and be in the college football playoff you know conversation and being a top 12 team for next year and years forward to be in the expanded playoff. But I mean, hilarious interaction, you know, this team's just not in cohesion right now. The offense club, doesn't have the confidence defense is still great, but just giving up a little bit too much with the offense, not supporting them as much as they need to. So, you know, big win for NC state and, you know, Dab was agitated. There's going to be something he has to change, whether it's the coaching staff, the way he recruits, the transfer portal, NLL, it's got to make something change. Where hey, you can't do this two years in a row, yeah. especially if you're not changing and adapting with the times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think there will be significant changes this off season for Clemson. Um, and and I, I do think Dabo speaks some truth. Like when he always says, "Oh, we're just little old Clemson." Like it is like a, it's a tiny school in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina. There's really no reason for them to be good at football. They do have a good football history, even before Dabo, uh, but it, it was never, you know, at the level that he had them at in, in the 2010s, uh, basically the, the center of the college football landscape. So, I respect him and everything he's done for the program, and I do think he's earned this year uh, a down year. But if we get like two or three more of these, then it's going to be like, all right, maybe it's time for for Clemson to move on.
1: I, just one comment on it. If they keep going down and he's getting pissed off there, and Saban's looking to retire, yeah. he played at Alabama. He was a walk on at Alabama, yeah. so I feel like that's probably always been in the back of his mind as the dream school.
0: Yeah, that I mean, but then again, it's like okay, but if he keeps losing at Clemson, what's his stock at? True, yeah, true, yeah. But I do, I, I do think you know, I've, and I've been wondering, wondering this for like a decade: who, who's going to replace Saban? That's the most interesting storyline yeah. in college football because he's. I don't know how much longer he is going to want to coach. I mean, he's in his seventies, yeah. you know, I, I would think at one point, you know, he'd like to retire and kind of enjoy his, some, some years of, of retirement, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's interesting. Yeah. All right, let's move. On. Yeah. Last
1: one, in the ACC, Miami beats Virginia, 29, yeah. 26 in overtime. So Virginia playing spirited football after that upset over UNC, just going to get it done. And, Miami, I wish they hadn't had that collapse game because you're talking about them as a one loss team. That's like in the, they're still technically in the ACC title race, I I suppose, but it just, that game just hurts so much because they've squeaked out a couple now against Clemson and Virginia and they're kind of padding it. So, yeah, they're not the same as they were before that collapse, but I mean, a a couple wins for them still.
0: Maybe the Miami Florida State game could be somewhat entertaining. I just don't think Tyler Van Dyke's the same guy that he was early in the season. I mean, he should sure yeah. not take Virginia to overtime, especially at home. But they it's a, win, a win is a win is a win is a win, as they say. Big 12, not not a great weekend a week in, in the Big 12 outside of, obviously, the Oklahoma-Kansas game. We got Texas taking down BYU, 35-6. Malik Murphy played. Looked okay. Uh, 170 yards, two touchdowns, and, uh, and an interception. They won this game on on the ground. Jonathan Brooks, 16 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown. Um, So, yeah, I mean, big question for them. They have a tough schedule moving forward, right? They got Kansas State this weekend. Uh, It's not looking like Quinn Ewers is going to play. So Malik Murphy is, is going to be tested in that one. But they got it done against BYU last weekend.
1: Yeah, BYU, not the effort I was looking for from Ken Kiedon. So, I mean, Malik Murphy... Not like he was electric, but he wasn't bad. Like kind of just, you know, did what he did and, you know, had a good ground game. Defense played well. Like was never really in doubt. Didn't have to make a big time play. So we'll see against Kansas State because they just destroyed Houston 41-0. to yep. I mean, this two quarterback offense they got rolling. Longhorns might want to be worried this weekend, man. This team's on fire. And if Malik Murphy doesn't have a, a pretty good game, I don't know. They, I think it's lucky for them that it's at home. That's, a, that's a, big, a big deal for them, I think, this weekend to be in Austin.
0: It is a losable game. Um, for for uh, for the Longhorns and like honestly, shout out to Kansas State for you know really turning their season around from obviously the early season loss to Missouri and then the loss to Oklahoma State. They've won three straight. Uh, they're still in the thick of it in the Big Twelve at four and one, uh, six and two overall. Uh, they got Texas, Baylor, Kansas, and Iowa State the rest of the way. Uh, we could be looking at at a nine win, maybe even if everything goes right, a ten win Kansas State team. Um, and, and yeah, they they're a really solid team, and I'm, I'm glad for for their fans that they turned their season around after that early season loss at Mizzou, and it was a really close loss. Like they lost some crazy like 50 yarder, yeah. Field. yeah and, and Mizzou's damn good, so yeah. Uh, yeah, they're a good team this year. It's gonna be a tough one for them in in, in Austin this weekend. Also, we got West Virginia beating UCF 41 28. Don't have a ton from this one other than. The whole clip that went viral of everyone thought the announcer said, "Oh, what an effing interception!" He clearly said "funky." I can't even hear the keyword. And it it
1: was like, even if you thought you heard that, watch it back. It is a weird interception. It goes off a guy's like foot and helmet and pops in there. Like like it is a weird play. So it's like, if you thought you did, like rewatching, like, oh no, like he said "funky." Like it it was a funky interception. It is hilarious. Like that clip is so really funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, and hey, West Virginia, Neil Brown having a really good season. You know they're five and three, a really good season based on the expectations. Five and three. Uh, obviously, that Houston loss was really tough with the Hail Mary, but I think they could they could finish like I mean they got BYU, Oklahoma, Cincy, and Baylor, so they got three of the worst teams in the pack in the Big Twelve. Go bowling, you know, maybe win a game or two more, and yeah, just be in the bowl game. They're bowling, which is a good successful season for them based on expectations. Uh we also had Iowa State beating Baylor 30 to 18. Another team turning their season around, Rocco backed at QB. Uh yep. Matt Campbell was on the hot seat, but nice win against Baylor. Uh do you have any thoughts about that one?
1: I mean, I think turning around after losing that Ohio team, you know, in matching earlier in the season. So great season turned around. They're they're also a team that's kind of poking around the Big Twelve standings right now, surprisingly. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a it's a mess in the Big Twelve standings. We got Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State all tied for first um then again like it's all going to play itself out so we'll yeah. see last month of the season we also had Oklahoma State beating Cincinnati 45-13 Ollie Gordon the running back for Oklahoma State man he's like arguably in Heisman contention at this point if he keeps it up 25 carries 271 yards and two touchdowns he leads the the nation in rushing yards you know they have a huge game at home against Oklahoma this week uh, killed Cincinnati, and they they have turned their season around since that bye mm-hmm. week. Man, they lost to obviously South Alabama, and they uh, and then Iowa State had a bye week, and they haven't lost since Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, Cincy, all wins. uh They got that big one against Oklahoma, the last ever Bedlam game, potentially at home this weekend and then UCF Houston to BYU so we could be looking at yet another 10 and 2 Oklahoma State team Mike Gundy was arguably on the hot seat and I don't know he's got another good team down there in Stillwater
1: yeah and I I think for teams like Houston UCF Cincinnati this jump to the big 12 was a lot higher than they thought it would be most of them are bank competitive but like Cincinnati got blown on the water here I mean Oklahoma State's really turned the season around and Against Oklahoma, man, Ollie Gordon, man, he's balling right now. So they're going to have to figure out a way to stop him or they're going to be in big-time trouble in Bedlam.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a really fun one in what is uh, honestly a fun weekend. This, every weekend's fun, right? But there's a lot yeah. of really good games this weekend in college football. We'll get to that on the preview uh, later in the week. Pac-12, not a, a relatively quiet week in the conference, um, but we did have some interesting games. Actually, scratch that. It was not a quiet week. Uh, just looking at these scores. Washington beat Stanford 42-33. to My main takeaway is Washington looks really, really shaky after that Oregon game. Mm -hmm. almost lost to Arizona State at home. And then they go to Stanford, the worst team in the Pac-12, and this game was close. Um, Stanford was driving with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter, and they run like a double reverse on fourth down and a wide open receiver, and the guy drops it. It was a little short, but catchable pass. Stanford could have won this game. And something the, the, the offense was bad against Arizona State. It was better against Stanford. Stanford couldn't stop them. But something's up with that defense right now. And I'm a little worried about Washington. Their schedule is, is tough the rest of the way. They have USC this weekend. They still have the Apple Cup, obviously, against Wazoo. They got Utah and Oregon State as well. So they have a really tough November. I don't know if they're going to run the table.
1: I think your adjective and word of shaky is right because they're still winning, but it's like, what's, what's going on here? Like, why why is the offense not totally clicking? Why did the defense not show up against Stanford? It's like, what, why are you not playing like you did against Oregon? Like, you beat Oregon with the best teams in the country, and now you're kind of playing with your food a little bit. Like, you're just not coming with the same fire, energy, and juice. So, yeah, I mean, I think this weekend against USC will, will really tell us a lot because if they can, you know, handle them and put them away, boom, big win. USC's still really good. But if they lose, like, Caleb Williams is reigning Heisman winner, man. It's nothing to play around with. So yep. um, they're going to they're gonna have to figure something out there to you know match with both sides of the ball and have a complete football team.
0: Yeah, Uh. so we'll see the rest of the way. Tough schedule for for the Huskies. Weird one. Arizona State lost, or sorry, Arizona State beat Oregon State 27-24. Uh, th- this was my upset of the week, and then I changed it last minute to, to Tulane over, or Rice over Tulane, which almost happened. This one happens. Uh, Oregon State goes down. Arizona, man, Jed Fish, great coach. Noah Fafita, the backup quarterback, playing really well for them. Uh, I had him as a player to watch, and he he delivered. the The main kind of highlight from this game was that fake field goal that Oregon State ran from like their own twenty five yard line at the end of the first half. Uh, that you know they just basically ran through the line and, and didn't make it, and they lose by three. Is <laughs> that's that's a tough look if you're you know their head coach. So great win for Arizona program is is looking really really strong heading into the Big Twelve under Jed Fish. And I talked about this game in the preview. Like if Oregon State wins this one, I think they're solidified as the third best team in the pack. They lost it with some questionable coaching decisions, so they might just be kind of another another tough Pac-12 team that you don't want to play, but not necessarily fighting for Vegas.
1: Yeah, I think we were hoping that they'd be up in that, you know, dangerous mark for the Pac-12. But I think they're more so just that middle of the pack, like a lot closer to Arizona than we thought. So Arizona played a great game. Oregon State, I feel like, played down a little bit and just some tough play calls. And close so close games. I think this Pac-12, a lot of parity and just these teams kind of, you know, Arizona, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, USC, like UCLA. Like these teams are kind of just beating up on each other. One gets one here, one loses there. So um, Oregon State kind of falling back to that middle of the pack.
0: Absolutely. And then UCLA beat Colorado 28 to 16 in the Rose Bowl. Uh, not really that interesting of a game, if we're going to be honest. I was on Colorado like plus 15 and a half, so they covered that. Dion had some comments post game that I thought were interesting. Honestly, just throwing his, his offensive line under the bus. Yes, it's been really bad. Uh, but he basically said, he was asked, you know, how are you going to fix the offensive line? And he, he basically said, replace them. Yeah. I just don't think you can say that. Like,
1: it's it's just like, if that's how you're going to go about it, like, hey, you're going to have to get guys in the portal, but like, what if they don't perform? Like at some point you got to be like, hey, like we got to coach these guys and we got to get better. We got to create a cohesive unit. That's not just guys and, and stars next to each other. It needs to be a team. So I get it. He's trying to build a program and he's going about it a different way than, you know, pretty much any other coach does it, but not a huge fan of it. Like, it's not like it's the end of the season and you're going into the portal and trying to get guys like we're in the middle of the season. like. We're still fighting for bowl eligibility, like try to rally your troops, man. These are your starters for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, it's just as a player that doesn't, and you know, obviously as a player, you know you you've sucked this year, right? As mm-hmm. a unit, uh, you just don't want your coach bashing you in the media publicly. Yeah. Uh, tough, tough look for for those offensive linemen. I I do feel for them, um, but we'll see what they do this offseason. I, I think they're going to be very active in the portal um, and. I mean, another thing that happened is all the Colorado players had a lot of their, if not all of their jewelry stolen in the, in the locker room during the game, which that's, that sucks. That's just it, disgusting. Don't,
1: they don't know who did it. Like, There's no cameras or anything yeah. like who went into the locker room that wasn't authorized or I feel like someone's that's got to get solved, right? It's not like they're in the middle of nowhere and stuff right. like they're at the Rose Bowl.
0: Right. And people were saying, oh, well, they should wear it to the game. It's like, come on. Like, they can wear oh, jewelry. Man, oh,
1: man, it's a different era. Like, yeah. those guys all are wearing it. Like, you know, ad deals and, and jewelry. Nah, they're going to wear it.
0: Yeah, and I have no issue with them wearing it. Like, <laughs> if you're a college kid and you're making six figures, million dollars, like, yeah, I'm going to go out and buy a chain so I can look cool walking into, walking into the stadium. You're damn right. So, I have no issue with that. I think it's gross that they don't have – like, the locker room is a sacred place as an athlete, yeah. right? Um, a lot of camaraderie, joking around, getting ready for, in, in football's case, like, battle. And I don't know, to feel to, like to have that sacred space vandalized is kind is of kind of disgusting, honestly, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, a couple other ones in the Pac 12 Arizona State beat Washington State 38 27. Arizona State, solid, frisky team. Washington State has fallen off a cliff. They, um,
1: they're playing themselves down, kind of like Oregon State's so better than them. But, you know, Wazoo, like, had the same chance as Oregon State to have a big season, especially when they're kind of the, you know, the, uh, the chop liver right now in the back 12. So they just kind of playing themselves in the middle of the pack. And I, I thought they're going to be a little bit better than that based on the start of the season.
0: Yeah. And then USC beat Cal 50 to 49. Same Ooh. story as always. Same story as always with this USC team.
1: Makes it too close. Offense was electric and no defense. <laughs>
0: yeah. And we'll see that this weekend against Washington. Uh, should that should be the over under is like 73 in that game. So that should be a fun one to watch. Yeah. SEC. Honestly, the SEC hasn't been that I- I- entertaining this year. Uh Ole Miss beat Bandy 33-7. Cool. Ole Miss has some cool uh players dunking with the basket their celebration after they get a turnover. Tennessee beats Kentucky 33 27 And AM beats South Carolina 30 to 17. South Carolina down bad right now. Auburn beats Mississippi State 27-13. Mississippi State just in a really tough spot right now with everything that happened with Mike Leach. Uh obviously a very sad story. And and just leaves them in a tough spot not that he you know you know what i'm saying like they are just in a tough spot as a result of that um uh, of his of his passing and can't blame them for being not great this year uh, but any takeaways from from the southeastern conference last weekend
1: i think auburn and AM like beat who they had to beat i think jimbo's still kind of on the hot seat like it's not been a great year so Olmus miss and tennessee these are the teams i'm looking at below alabama george like can one of these two pull off that big upset? Like, can they do it in this last month of the season? I want to see, because, you know, they're both good. They only got the one loss. So it's like, yeah. are they legit? Or are they just kind of beating up on the other teams in the SEC? It's like, can one of them, you know, kind of act on like Penn State a little bit of like, hey, let, let's try to get the upper last Let's knock off Georgia. Let's knock off Alabama. Um, Ole Miss did beat LSU. So, you know, they're in that conversation. But I want to see one of these two, you know, try to get that big win this season and, and go from, eh, you know, they're just, they're just kind of getting the wins they should get. Um, I want to see them get that big one.
0: Yeah, that'd be exciting. Uh, that, that'd that be great for, for the conference, uh, honestly, uh, for some parity in, in football as well, in college football. Before we wrap it up, let's take a trip to the group of five. Shout out to Maction, by the way, which got under, underway yesterday. Uh, we had, I believe it was Central Michigan beat NIU. Uh, Rocky Lombardi threw a tough pick at the end there. And then we had Toledo spanking up Buffalo in the snow. Always great to have Maction on. Love some quality... Like, they had the C- the CUSA stuff on Tuesday, Wednesday. It wasn't the same as Maction on Tuesday, Wednesday. So shout out to the Mac. Uh, Liberty and James Madison both moved to 8-0. James Madison is in- inexplicably uneligible, ineligible for a bowl game. So bad. I hate that rule. I don't understand it. Like Teams should be rewarded for from, from bumping up from FCS uh, and being good immediately. I don't understand that. But they're 8-0, so is Liberty. We had Air Force – Escaping Colorado State 20-13 in the snow. I watched a lot of a uh, group of five ball last weekend. Tulane escapes Rice 30 to 28. Memphis won a really exciting game, 35 or mm-hmm. sorry, 45-42 over North Texas. And Fresno State beat UNLV 31-24. UNLV's wide receiver dropped a wide-open game tying pass at the end. Tough look for them. And Blake Watson, huge game for the Tigers. 17 carries, 169 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. And five receptions for a hundred yards in the air. Uh, any thoughts on the group of five?
1: Liberty should be in the top twenty-five. Please rank them. They're eight. No, I don't care who they played. Rank them. James Madison should be allowed to play. Why? Why can you be ranked in the top twenty-five if yeah. you can't play the whole game?
0: They're, they're not only, even ranked. In the, they're not even allowed to be ranked.
1: The, like that is such a dumb rule. This is a good team. Yeah a good team that went up levels where it got harder and they got better like reward them don't don't punish these players like yeah. what are you doing so but the one that can play in in the new Year's six bowl game is air force who gets another win i'm going to air force army this weekend at my life stadium so i mean they they should win this there are a couple touchdown favorites on army so um that's after those guys playing a heck of a ball game and you know they covered this weekend so they're putting up a little bit more points yeah um Tulane gets it done. They're kind of that competition, I think, for Air Force for that group of group of five spot. Yeah,
0: That's they right. had Tulane so, like, ranked over uh, Air Force this week. Yep, yep.
1: Their only loss is to Ole Miss, so it's like I know, you know, I a know, group of five still. Memphis, Blake Watson, he's on that Henny with Seth Hennigan. So I mean, dog, like we're riding the Henny train, like we're on that. Memphis, on- was,
0: Memphis. <laughs> Memphis was up, I think it was like thirty-eight to seventeen in this game, and North Texas comes all the way back. They take yeah. the lead. Um, 42 to, I think it was 42, 35 or 42 to 38 or something. And with, they take the lead on a touchdown pass with like 30 seconds left. And the, the Henny man, he had to drink a Henny on the sideline and led Memphis down the field for the win. They kept showing, uh, his, these two Memphis fans and I had the game on mute and I'm like, I was texting Alden, my friend that's went to Memphis. And I'm like, they keep showing these two Memphis fans. In, in this North Texas game. He's like, yeah, they're, they're his parents. He's from uh, wherever, wherever North Texas University is in Texas. And that's why they kept showing up. But it was a really exciting game. Uh, Silverfield is still kind of on the hot seat if you're a Memphis fan. They don't really love them. Like they haven't been playing great ball, but they're still winning games. Yeah. Um, and they're in the think of it in the ACC, AAC. I, I just uh,
1: pulled up those standings. So Tulane, SMU, and UTSA are all 4-0. and And Memphis is 3-1. Yeah. I'd love for I mean does Memphis play I think Memphis plays SMU. Yeah. So they in theory could, you know, win that tie. If Memphis wins out, like I'd love to see them play Tulane again, man. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. And Memphis secures 10 straight years of bowl eligibility with this win. So
1: that's that's pretty sweet, man, yeah. cuz they you know, they get they, they get the coach taken, you know, whenever that happens. So, you know, pretty sweet for them as a program just get new coaches and still be, you know, a respectable program and have fun.
0: Yeah, and I remember very vividly when Memphis was just abysmal at football. So Memphis fans, you should not be complaining. You're winning football games. It might not look great, but it's much better than the ten and two uh days of old. So um shout out to them. Good, yeah. good football program, honestly. And and some good some good fun football in, in the group of five last weekend. And I think that'll continue into into uh this weekend in, in week ten. We're in double digits. Crazy. Crazy. We're already in week 10 and it's November, man. We're in matching season. We're in championship season, as they say. Um, but that's it. That's it. That's our recap of week nine. We hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a really fun week. Had a huge upset. Um, and, and we march on. A- any, anything else before we get out, Joe?
1: No, we're in matching season. We got games like Tuesday through Saturday. And you got mm-hmm. NFL still. So pretty much don't have football on at all right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, plenty of football um, you know, moving forward and championship season, man, championship season. So thank you all for listening to this one. We will be back later in the week with our preview for week 10 until then catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.